Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. We are online, too, at kpcg.fm and at thetrumpet.com. Coming up on today's program, uh, some weather notes. Uh, California's got that rain coming. We talked to you about that uh, yesterday, and I would tell you what's uh, going on out there. Also, a heat wave in Australia, pretty intense. Maybe you've heard about that. We'll look at that. A few other headlines, and also look at us. one of the laws for success Another very important law that you need to be successful. That and more, this edition of Trumpet Radio Live. This is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. And if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, please do that at kpcgfm. Emails, if you'd like to send one, send that to comments at kpcg.fm, and we'll take a look at that for you. I'm Dwight Falk and Grant Turgeon here today as well. Uh, and you got a nice suit coat on today, Grant. I'll tell the, the audience. Um, it reminds me of those uh, almost those NFL Hall of Fame jackets. That's oh, what I go it. for, actually. Yeah, yeah that's that's the kind of the look I'm aiming for when I wear this light tan jacket. Radio Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that player? Terrell Owens. Yes. He always he's a receiver. Played a few years back, and he he was always kind of a malcontent, I guess. Very talented. But he was on the Bills for a year. That was yeah. really entertaining. <laughs> right. He's he was a guy that always said, "Get your popcorn ready," and he'd <laughs> he'd uh, do that sort of thing. Anyway, I don't think he's made it yet to the Hall of Fame, uh, or did they vote him in yet? He's up. For nomination again, again, or okay. up to be inducted, but they haven't quite put him in there yet. So they always they always debate, you know, should he be in, should he not be in? And uh, he came on a show a year or so ago, and he made his own Hall of Fame jacket. <laughs> he he didn't get the real one, but he made his own. So <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you could do that. It depends on what Hall of Fame you're in. You could make your own <laughs> Hall of Fame, and put yourself in there. There have been more commentators recently who have been in favor of him getting in, um, and it's probably true because. Uh, for most athletes, you just look at their statistics to see if they get in or not, which in a way is a really lame way to do it because what if they didn't pass the eye test? What if they weren't captivating to the fans? But if they're just judging by numbers, he's obviously going to be in there. It doesn't really matter if he had a few disputes with quarterbacks because he definitely contributed to help his team win. That's always a debate. Is it just a statistical thing that you're looking at, whether somebody gets in or is it – more than that and it, it should be more than I that so, but it's, it's usually not it seems like there's some people that have made it into like baseball hall of fame they didn't have the best numbers but they did a lot like when you watch them play they were very effective mm-hmm. and so anyway it's uh it's always interesting to look at that um they were talking to uh lebron james uh last night the the cavaliers lost pretty badly he was and they have to do these interviews and they, the players don't really like doing them but they have to and one of the reporters was asking him, speaking of statistics, they said, you had a really bad plus-minus tonight, <laughs> which is, you know, 
did your team do better or worse with you on the floor or off the floor? How many points did yeah. you get outscored by while you were playing? Right. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, don't talk to me about plus minus. He's like, well, I've had terrible plus minuses and we win. I don't care. It's about wins and losses. All these advanced statistics they look at. Yes, but if you get outscored by 39 points while you're on the court, that means probably things weren't going your way. <laughs> he, he might want to care a little bit more about that. That's why you don't want to play with a bad bunch of bad defenders because every time you're on the floor you have a bad plus minus <laughs> yeah that's true he probably is he's such a good defender he's playing with way worse ones when he's out there which drags him down too well i think that you know it's a tough it's tough to figure out those stats and I, to me it doesn't make it uh i don't know i'm just not that interested in those but it would be nice if they would actually compare you to the guy you were playing against. Mm. Now, I know it's a team game, so it's hard to do, and there's help defense and all that, but that would be more, I don't know, that'd be kind of interesting. Like, did you outperform the guy you were playing? That would be more of a true representation, I think. Yeah, that would be interesting, and and it would probably be more than one guy, depending on who you were matched up with throughout the game. So it would be a pretty accurate representation of if you actually were a positive or a negative or just neutral for your team on a given night, instead of applying everyone else's performance to your performance and somehow saying that was all your fault. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have uh, plus minuses in our jobs. <laughs> like, you know, just if, for normal, normal careers, you know, you, wherever you're working. What's the plus minus for that guy? <laughs> it's hard to hard to know. What's his wins above replacement? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all these odd odd statistics people come up with. I think it's like trying to go for your, your PhD in a field. You sort of have to... Uh, in a lot of cases, come up with something new and exciting. People really say, oh, and I think it's the same with statistics. If somebody comes up with a new statistic, then they're the expert on the statistic, and they've made themselves a little job there as a sports analyst. And in the process, they're actually expanding the reach of sports to a whole new audience of uh, nerdy people who just are into the stats because it used to be people who were just more like the jocks would be into sports, and now you have a whole wide range of people who actually like sports. It's probably better that way because there are a lot of things from sports that people could appreciate and learn from. There just has to, has to be different ways of reaching those different groups of people. That's the uh, Moneyball mm-hmm. movie, of course, they, they talked about that. Uh, we're going to look at some headlines uh, today uh, in relation to some weather situations going on. It's been an interesting weather year last year and now this uh, year beginning. Also, uh, look at the Trumpet.com, the Trumpet Daily Radio Show, and uh, look at another one of the laws of success. Really interesting law today and some interesting examples about how to apply it. Uh, top, well, the first story today is uh, here from California. Thousands in California ordered to evacuate over a threat of mudslides. We mentioned this yesterday. They had those areas that got burned out by the largest wildfire in California state history. And then here come the rains. Officials have ordered thousands of people who were affected by recent wildfires in Southern California to evacuate as an upcoming winter storm poses a threat for mudslides and flash floods. And they have pictures of the burned out areas. There's nothing there, as you'd expect. And so you can easily imagine with that rain coming down, that stuff might be coming down the hill. Uh, Mandatory evacuations were issued for 7,000 people in mountainous areas affected by the Thomas, Witter, Sherpa, and Ray fires, according to the Santa Barbara County Office of Emergency Management. Another 23,000 people were under evacuation warnings, officials said. Uh, The bulk of the rain in Southern California will fall early today and into uh, this afternoon. The showers are expected to clear by Tuesday night. Uh, And then as it moves moves, uh, east, uh, there's going to be lots of snow in some of the ski areas. We're not getting any snow, but if you like skiing up in Colorado, (laughs) they're going to get buried, apparently. Uh, CNN said that heavy rains were triggering dangerous flooding in Southern California. Rivers of mud and debris destroyed at least three homes so far, and pooling water forced police to close parts of coastal U.S. Route 101. 
So, you know, your house survives the fire, and then it gets taken away in the mudslide. That's a frustration. That sounds biblical, doesn't it? Does Just, like you can't you can't escape the plagues because they're everywhere that you turn. I mean, even just with those fires that took place, it was something like 220,000 people who had to evacuate for that. Now those who might not have been affected by the fires could be affected by the mudslides, and so you have to evacuate thousands more people. It's almost to a point where everyone living anywhere nearby has to just get out. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Uh, It's quite conceivable that some people would have had to evacuate for the fires. Now they come back. Now they have to evacuate again for the mudslides. So... That would be just a really, you know, if you put yourself in that position, a very frustrating and difficult position to be in. And I do, do insurance companies pay for evacuations? I mean, or do, do you have to pocket that yourself? Because if you have to leave your house for several days or more, then you, you've got to obviously have a place to go. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so really a difficult situation out there in California. And uh, I guess that those storms are supposed to be through today. And they showed the weather map last night, and really the whole state was just covered with storms, which, um, you know, in some ways is great because they need the rain. But then because of other problems that have come through, the rain's, you know, uh, it's, it's late. <laughs> it didn't help put out the fires, and now you've got these mudslides. Even in San Francisco, they, they're having uh, some windy uh, wind advisories today so pretty big storm system and again it's going to move east causing a lot of snow all through the midwest united states we're not going to get any though according to the weather guys <laughs> I, I like a little bit we're not yeah. going to get anything yeah actually it's, it's kind of strange because that projection from a couple of weeks ago at least of when the fires would die down pretty much said it would end i think yesterday so they were really accurate about that i don't know how you would even project how a, when a fire is going to stop but they got that exactly right so in a way we're pretty good at telling uh what what type of weather is going to come or how we're going to deal with it but uh you can't really stop it even though you know it's coming that's the really helpless part of it i mean we all want to have perfect weather or maybe snow once in a while but sometimes we don't get what we want and we can't control that either yeah it was very uh and, and we're we're, ha- we're having pretty good conditions here, so I can't complain compared to California. But in watching the weather last night, they, they were kind of demoralizing for us because mm-hmm. they said, yeah, this, this uh, storm system's coming through, and it's going to dump all of its precipitation, then we'll just get the cold air. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't get any of the snow or the rain. I get Well, we, we had rain yes, uh, Sunday, so that wasn't bad. But uh, uh, we're going to be 60 degrees today. So we've got some we've got some beautiful weather here, but uh, tough tough uh, going there in California for some people. Uh, Australia, meanwhile, is very very hot. Of course, uh, they're having their summertime. It's different. It's the opposite here. New York Post says flying foxes fall from the sky. Sounds like a kid's story. <laughs> After being boiled alive in heat wave, that part doesn't oh. sound like a kid's story. <laughs> they're they're big bats. That's a flying fox. They have a three foot wingspan. I would not want to have that guy flying at me or falling out of the sky. <laughs> they have some fantastic creatures in Australia, and it's it's just such a point that they tell any foreigners about all these fake creatures, but no one picks up on the joke because there are a lot of creatures like those fake creatures actually living in Australia. Could be true. Yeah, you, they have a lot of strange animals over there. They call them like the drop bear and the hoop snake. Those are fake, but Famous. they sound real, and they they actually are similar to some of the things they have. <laughs> Maybe maybe they think they're fake, but they actually are out there somewhere in the outback. <laughs> I haven't found them yet. I haven't found them. They say thousands of these flying foxes, these big bats, died in an Australian heat wave so severe that it has melted tarmac 
The animals fell from the trees as they were boiled alive in temperatures exceeding 104 degrees Fahrenheit in Campbelltown in New South Wales. Animal welfare volunteers battled to save the lives of the hundreds of babies and some adults in distress, but the death toll is believed to be in the thousands. I got to get rid of those then, I guess. Uh, they basically boil. That's what they said. That's what Kate Ryan said, uh, who uh, works there, manages the flying fox colony. It affects their brain. Their brain just fries, and they become incoherent. It would be like standing in the middle of a sand pit with no shade. So, of course, as mentioned, the flying fox, that's Australia's largest bat. Wingspan is about three feet. They're listed as vulnerable species nationally, with its survival ranked as a critical priority. So this won't help uh, that because thousands of these guys are dying and falling from the sky. So they've been brains have been boiled alive, basically. Yeah, and that's only at 104 degrees. I thought it would be more like up around 140 for it to be a problem like that, especially if they're in trees. You'd think there might be some shade in there, but um, yeah, I guess certain creatures don't handle that as well either. Yeah, I guess it just depends on what they're what they're used to. Maybe maybe they're just not used to that type of heat. I don't know. So. I've I've felt like that sometimes. It gets that hot here in Oklahoma and other places. You think I'm being boiled alive. <laughs> I don't I don't uh, I don't feel so good. <laughs> so that, that does happen. Uh, there's some economic news that uh, is somewhat positive. You know the U.S. the job market seems to be jumping around uh, decently and growing and uh, not as much unemployment. Other signs are good, but again, some of the underlying issues don't look so great with debt. USA Today has this America's outstanding credit card debt hit a new record in November. And it's a high record. It's not a low record. Highlighting a more confident U.S. consumer, but also flashing a warning signal of potential trouble down the road. Revolving credit, mostly credit cards, increased by $11.2 billion to $1.023 trillion, the Federal Reserve said Monday. That nudged the figure past uh, the former uh, high, which was $1.021 trillion. And that was reached in April 2008. Of course, if you remember 2008, that was right before the last, uh, I guess, the Great Recession, as they call it. And so over the past year, revolving credit has surged by $55.1 billion or 5.7%. Non-revolving credit such as auto and student loans rose by $16.8 billion to $2.8 trillion in November. So what do they recommend you do? Well, they say people should make 2018 the year they focus on knocking down their credit card debt. Uh, with the Federal Reserve continuing to raise interest rates, uh, credit card debt is going to grow faster and faster. And so they say they should uh, be getting a hold of this. They say it's really important that folks knock down that credit card debt when times are good. So if t- I don't know if the times are good, but a little more prosperity maybe. Uh, good time to get rid of some debt if you can. That's some really great advice. You don't normally hear that from a lot of analysts because sometimes their outlook is a little bit too positive. Like they might, they might be thinking of the most optimistic outcome and not realizing that maybe another crash is actually right around the corner. It's good to hear people actually say that during good times you need to store up. I mean, that's like uh, that story in the Bible where um, Joseph saved up all that grain during the good years, and then during the famine in Egypt, they had tons of stores of grain. I mean, that's that's what you're supposed to do. Otherwise, when a crash comes, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, absolutely. They they tried to put a little bit of a positive spin on it. They said, well, the debt's not quite as bad as it appears because people have, are making more money. But I that's kind of a that's that's a false argument. I mean, yeah, what but what if your money stops? Anything can happen and then you've got all that debt sitting there. 
clearly it's better to not have not have the debt if you can so if we're doing so well why why even have the debt yeah if we're making all that money shouldn't we be able to pay off the debt right away yeah why have it so uh anyway those those debt numbers are getting pretty high and uh if you can make some uh, make some changes there and make a dent in it, that's good. We've got that great book at thetrumpet.com about solve your money troubles. We talked about that recently, and that, that gives some good good tips on doing that. So it might be a good time to to look into that. Uh, thetrumpet.com today, the top story is uh, about Vladimir Putin. He says, Vladimir Putin to use the 2018 World Cup to score his own goals. And uh, I don't think this means actually playing the game, but <laughs> knowing some of his photo shoots from the past, who knows, he might kick the winning goal and win a gold medal <laughs> just like when he's played hockey and scored like five goals in a game on his birthday wasn't it <laughs> against professionals because <laughs> <laughs> he was on def- he couldn't they couldn't stop him and and i've seen pictures of him winning judo championships and under underwater diving where he found treasure he released birds to freedom on a he's, paracel of some or on a whatever that was a hand glider <laughs> and uh so anyway <laughs> he does a lot of things uh he actually he always puts out his um calendar every year and this last year, he it was him and kittens, I believe. That's <laughs> so no joke. That's his his calendars out there. But but he is a, he is a serious guy, and he does some serious things. Uh, history shows that for Moscow international sports, often uh, uh, march arm in arm with war. Could the pattern be repeated this year? So if you remember, what was it? What was uh, Olympics there in Russia? That was not too long ago. That was a few years back. Winter Olympics mm-hmm. in so- Sochi, I believe I it was. was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, or and before. Before Rio, I guess they really, yeah, yeah they really uh, kind of jumped on the world stage with that. You know, like, they were quite impressive, and so anytime they're on the international stage, they really like to uh, flex their muscles. That is sort of the backdrop of the Olympics. It is, uh, it, it is a lot of nations coming together and sort of uh, conveying prestige, conveying power to the rest of the world. They want to put their best foot forward to come off as good as possible. I heard even North Korea is going this this time around. Wow. So, uh, and they're holding it in South Korea, right? Mm. So that's it's amazing that South Korea is actually even letting them come. That's that's another interesting aspect. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, uh, uh, international sports competitions like the Olympics. A lot of times they are sort of a backdrop for big issues. You know, you think about the Nazis. You think about the Olympics in Berlin that year. I think it was Jesse Owens that mm-hmm. won the golds, and of course that threw a real wrench into uh, Hitler's show the world my supreme athletes here, and he got beat by <laughs> Jesse Owens. So uh, a lot of times it does factor into uh, to uh, bigger things, I guess, because it is a stage to show off your your powerful nation. And, of course, uh, Russia, they, they're banned from the Olympics now, aren't they, for all their doping? That's what I thought. Yeah. I think they're allowed to, from what I remember, they're allowed to compete under a neutral flag, whatever that means. So they wouldn't actually be representing Russia, hmm. but Russian athletes could compete. Kind of like when they invaded the Ukraine and no one knew where they were from. <laughs> they whatever, neutral whatever the uniforms. flag on those soldiers' uniforms was, that'll, that'll be the same flag they compete under. Everyone will still know it's Russia. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you can't compete for Russia, but you can compete under a neutral flag. Okay. Yeah, I, I really want to see what the neutral flag looks like, if there's actually a design or something like that. Yeah, you wouldn't want it to be a white flag because that would mean surrender. <laughs> exactly. So you'd want it to be. You have to have a design of some kind. Some kind of design. Some sort of color. But uh, yeah, it, it's also um, like you mentioned the the Nazis or or German Germany, they resorted to doping as well. Some of these nations, when they're really obsessed with projecting power at the Olympics, 
they're going to turn to cheating. We've seen that with Germany and with Russia and probably some other nations too. If that's the way that you intimidate the rest of the world or that's what you're trying to do, why wouldn't you turn to steroids? Yeah, the, there's uh, a lot of that that goes on, unfortunately, in international competitions. So make sure you check out that uh, top story there at thetrumpet.com, Vladimir Putin to use 2018 World Cup to score his own goals. I still like their closing ceremonies when they had the big bear come out and shed a tear. Like that was, I was amazed. I, I typically the for the Olympics, the like opening closing ceremonies. I'm kind of I'm not that interested in. I'm just more interested in the sports. But um, there have been some amazing ones. China did an amazing job, and then Russia with that big bear mm-hmm. crying. I just, it was amazing. I was really like, wow, you know, uh, kudos to whoever did that. And I remember watching it and thinking, you know, whoever was behind the the directing of it uh, and making sure everything happened as it should, uh, so much pressure for anybody but particularly in one of those nations because mm-hmm. you don't want to have to go answer to Mr. Putin as right. to why the bear didn't come out like he was supposed to or something <laughs> there'd be a lot of pressure there yeah that's true a big ceremony you, you don't want that to fall apart that would be absolutely disastrous for the planners especially they that yeah. would not go well for them but but, it, yeah. but yeah like I think I think Russia's hosting the World Cup this summer they're probably allowed to compete in that but but not the Olympics which are right right around the corner right they're like this month or next yeah february february yeah Yeah. so apparently them doping at the olympics doesn't apply to their other international competitions somehow Hmm, it's interesting yeah also uh, the trumpet daily radio show today make sure you stop and listen for that coming up here in a bit on kpcg and and again you can uh, see the schedule online and the the podcast at uh, the trumpet.com and kpcg.fm talked about a few topics today including uh the golden globes the black dress protests they all dressed, the ladies all dressed in black, not all of them, most of them, to protest sexual harassment, I guess. And uh, so he had some interesting comments about that. Of course, that's still in the headlines. It's big, big news. Just some of the headlines from today about all of this. Uh, French star defends men's, uh, as a woman, defends men's rights to chat up women. She says she likes a little flirting. Uh, <laughs> McGowan, Rose McGowan says fakery for wearing black at the Globes. Uh, Harvey uh, accuser says uh, they were not invited. Victims are not glamorous. James Franco accused after win. Uh, on and on it goes. So those are some of the top top uh, stories about all that. But as it brought out on the Trump Daily Radio show, I think it was a write up from uh, Melanie Phillips. But uh, just saying, you know, out of all the problems, the real major major issues in this world is just the big concern. You know, wearing the black dress to protest these things. There are bigger. Because the, she was talking about this write-up about it and how, you know, it was uh, a big trial for all these stars to find black dresses that cost, obviously, thousands and thousands of dollars that were a little bit different than the other ones. So that was the big, how are we going to find this dress? And, and and the author brings out, well, what about, like, what's going on in North Korea or, or some of these other nations? Isn't that a little bigger concern than finding these dresses? Yeah, especially since a lot of the sexual harassment stuff that's come out is as simple as someone asking a woman on a date that's if if people want to be a part of a movement badly enough they'll define whatever that sexual harassment is in any way possible and a lot of those allegations have been either debunked or a shadow's been cast over them um it's just a lot of the movement is just dishonesty i mean there there we can't tell what's true what's not people's careers get ruined by a simple allegation regardless of if there's any proof of it uh, and and it's like it's uh 
it's like a mob with torches. You just they just go out, go from one house to the next, taking out people they don't like. Um, and we can't really give so much credence to a movement like that because then it could apply to any other thing that people decide to protest about. Yeah, and it's uh, as is pointed out on the Trump Daily today as well. Um, there's been there's been no change to what Hollywood puts out. Mm. Like their movies, their premises haven't changed. So if it's such a big concern, then change the premise of your movies that you push at people. And it's kind of funny. Anytime some of these uh, these different movements come out, they, as we've talked about before, they kind of end up actually bumping up against a move, the similar movement from the past. Like they're not quite sure what they're after. And I, I saw this one video recently from a lady. I guess she's a pretty famous feminist from years back. And she said, well, we were fighting for just absolute freedom. Like we do whatever we want as far as morality, immorality in this case, do whatever we want. That's the movement. We're sick of being repressed. But now the new movement's like, you know, don't look at us. It's so they're, they're, they're not sure really even what they're doing and what, what do they want? What are they after? They're even confused within their own circle, I guess. Well, that's the right word. Uh, confused. It's, it's a confusing movement when there's no law to tie people down, to keep people moored in, in the right place. It's just, well, I feel this way this moment. I feel this way the next moment. And so the society has to follow me and my feelings wherever I might go. They should, they should do an awards show for feelings. The feelings awards show. That feelings are everything now. It That's, is important. I mean, there's no, there's no truth. I mean, Oprah talked about at that awards show, she talked about finding your truth, mm. which again, it's something that changes from moment to moment. And, uh, it's that's not a good way to build society if no one can agree on a few basic truths. Right, because somebody's quote-unquote truth is going to be very oppressive to somebody else. So that's a that's a dangerous thing to get into. Uh, another topic brought up on the Trump Daily today was uh, something that we've mentioned a, a time or two is uh, the smartphones and the social media and how it's really taking over the minds of many people, especially young people, where they're just consumed with it. And then he had some great sound bites from some of the inventors of the technology or the people involved in it saying, yeah, we don't use it because it's terrible. I mean, we're, we made millions of dollars on it and we'll keep that. But yeah, it's, it's a bad deal. They made it. They're not even going to use it because they know how bad it is. That's something worth protesting, isn't it? People don't realize how bad smartphones are, but everyone can agree that sexual assault is bad. We don't need to really draw so much awareness to that smartphones that that's something that everyone thinks is a good thing right now and clearly we're seeing uh, many reports many statistics many examples uh, a lot of testimony that says and maybe we should think about how we use these devices because they're pretty destructive sometimes maybe steve jobs was protesting him because he always delivered his the new product in a black turtleneck <laughs> That's where they got their black dress idea from. He was pro he was, it was like a silent protest for what he was selling you. So it's uh, really interesting. And it's important to think about because it affects all of our lives and the lives of our children, if we have some, or the younger generation. Here's a related headline from AFP. Tech, a new religion at Consumer Gadget Extravaganza. They say tech is the new religion, offering hope of salvation in a troubled world as industry leaders converge in Las Vegas this week. Who goes to Las Vegas for salvation? <laughs> no, nobody that I'm aware of. Uh, technology, they say, will not just help us communicate better and give us bolder and brighter screens. It is promising to end urban congestion, treat cancer and depression, and help us live fitter and more productive lives. Oh, that's interesting. 
I thought that like the the radiation coming off the devices gave people cancer, but now that's going <laughs> to cure the cancer. I'm not sure. But anyway, talk about a bold, <laughs> a bold, a self congratulatory uh, sort of uh, intro to this uh, this uh, tech uh, convention out there in Vegas. It's the new religion. Uh, Herbert Armstrong wrote about that in uh, I think it was the uh, um, Wonderful World Tomorrow booklet in the beginning, where he talked about science. You know, that was going to be the new savior. That was going to save everybody. And now it's technology. Yeah, it's always going to change because it's only a matter of time before each of these purported saviors fails us. Technology is one of those things that's really easy to get into, and you could just scroll around the Internet looking up new gadgets all day if you wanted to. You could do that for weeks and weeks. But uh, then when you add to it these grandiose claims that you're going to solve all world troubles, plenty of people are going to go for that. I mean, it's already a fun topic, but then when you have these lofty aims, people are going to get behind that pretty quickly. Yeah, and there there has definitely been some things that this technology movement has provided that I think would be could be good, could be beneficial. I mean, there, you can access information. And if it's good information, that's really good. Um, but, but there's so many things that not only are bad, but also you just don't even need. I mean, people say, like, I couldn't live if I lost my smartphone. Well... You know, it would take some readjusting. You'd have to actually go find, you know, where your credit card is, I guess, instead of just having it on your <laughs> phone. Or you'd ha- you'd, There are things you'd have to do. You'd have to maybe carry a little notepad or something. Would it end your life? No, of course not. And I know that's exaggeration on their part too. But but um, how much healthier would we be if we weren't mentally, uh, even physically, if we weren't just staring at the device? You know, that takes up a lot of time. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't think of myself. I'm probably delusional here, but as like being super caught up in it. But I, I spend a fair amount of time looking at things. Sometimes work related, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, I be I, I might try that as an experiment just to track it. I bet it's a lot more than I want to admit. It's a sneaky thing. That's just the minutes add up, and um, anyone who thinks that uh, they're not addicted to technology should try to take a weekend completely free from any screen and just see what they feel like. What, what are the impulses? Do you start instinctively reaching toward your pocket? Do you, do you start getting a little bit of panic inside because you don't know what's going on in the outside world or do you embrace it? If you embrace that silence away from the screens, then you're not addicted. But if you hate it, then there might be a little bit more of an issue. There is a there is a pull to grab the device. I don't know. I don't even have anything to look at, but I'm still exactly. going to take a look. <laughs> Maybe you want to take a look and see what we have. You're listening to Trumpet Radio Live here on 101.3 KPCG. Dwight Fall, Grand Turgeon with you here today. You got a new haircut, by the way. I did. It looks good. Thank you. Looks sharp. Yeah, I have to uh, always do my own touch-ups because just like the contours of my bumpy head, it makes it difficult for any barber, but... I got it right this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, to me, no better feeling than getting like a nice, nice clean haircut. Mm-hmm. It's a good feeling. It, it saves a lot of time, actually, too, not having to worry about keeping it in place. Yes, that is true. That's very much uh, the case. Uh, there's an interesting report here from uh, Time Magazine, the uh, brief, uh, the risk report for 2018. They say the global order is coming apart and liberal democracy is under threat. Welcome to 2018. So there you go. There's a encouraging outlook. <laughs> <laughs> they are uh, taking a look at a few areas that they think uh, things could be a problem potentially or just a change. 
Uh, number one is China rising. There's a lot on the Trumpet.com about China, but they're lo- everyone's looking at China because they are rising, uh, which means what? Is the U.S. falling? Um, are we rising together? arm in arm <laughs> uh china rising is has uh, some uh, people uh, paying attention to it that january issue of the philadelphia trumpet magazine was really instructive about the strongman trend today because it as you as you see america sort of backing away on the world scene there are strongmen all over europe all over asia throughout the middle east who are scrambling to try to fill the vacuum and to to take over global leadership and in that issue it talked about how xi jinping was is actually setting himself up to rule for the rest of his life i mean just by changing a couple things in the constitution surrounding himself with loyalists who are technically too old to even rule for two terms after he's done i mean he's doing all these things that most people aren't noticing right now but i mean that if you have a dominant leader and he's in charge for life then people tend to look to that leader as their savior or almost as a a God-level figure. And once you have a strong leader like that, the nation can go places. They can really make an impact. Right. And and then if you look at Russia, they're doing the same thing. And if you've paid attention to Vladimir Putin's uh, rise through politics over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, um, he's done a lot of things to do that and to really empower Russia as well. So you got Russia and China there. And of course, we have a write-up at the Trumpet or a booklet at the Trumpet.com on Russia and China and prophecy. And you know, we have all these squabbles over here uh, every every four years, and then it doesn't stop. Now we're campaigning, you know, twenty-four-seven. It seems like in this nation, and and it's uh, not not that a, dict- a dictator is a better idea, but um, when there's so much division, you know, we've got all this infighting, and they're just their goal is to conquer the world, and they're more focused on it. Yeah, sometimes when I look at our system, it does seem a little bit pathetic just because we go eight years swinging way to the left then we go eight years swinging totally in the opposite direction i mean we're, we're going back and forth like a pendulum while these other nations are steamrolling forward in the same direction the entire time while we're going back and forth it's just uh, obviously one one of those nations is going to go places the other one's stuck in one place swinging back and forth in a way that's good because then the our leaders have to kind of uh listen to what we want but at the same time there's no clear national direction when we swing back and forth like that yeah the second thing they're worried about here uh, for this upcoming year is accidents there are they say there arguably hasn't been a major geopolitical crisis since 9-11 and in their estimation anyway but there are now many places where misstep or misjudgment could provoke serious conflict including cyberspace north korea the crowded syrian battlefield Russia and Europe as ISIS fighters from Syria and Iraq disperse and of course a lot of other things. It's a good point something we maybe don't think about that often but just just a mistake, just an accident could set off a pretty big uh, problem and uh, so leaders have to be careful, militaries have to be careful like they said in Syria. I mean if you've got all these militaries there and they're on different pages and different names um, things could get messy pretty quick. And there are quite a lot of areas of conflict like that article points out and and like you said there are lots of different groups <laughs> striving in those same areas for uh similar objectives but the, a lot of those groups don't agree with each other and that's true i mean all it would take is is like with uh russia and turkey last year where wasn't it turkey shot down a russian jet or, or a plane i mean something like that could could really lead to a geopolitical crisis 
couple other areas just to mention in passing that they're looking at are a few. Uh, the tech Cold War, uh, Mexico's moment. They're, uh, they're, uh, what are they going to do to get into that? U.S.-Iran relations, eroding institutions uh, here in the U.S. and other places. Uh, protectionism, uh, British brawls. Britain tries to get out of uh, the EU. Uh, South Asia, Southern Asia, they're having their issues. Africa security. Pretty much, you can look at any region in the world, and um, it's not positive news. I mean, there's there's threats everywhere you look, and even uh, even something like Time Magazine can recognize that. Yeah, and if Time Mag- Magazine can recognize it, we we definitely have an issue because they've 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 gone pretty far to the left, and they've gotten pretty obsessed with uh, the whole Russia investigation. Here, I'm surprised they're even able to look outside of our borders at this point to see those other threats. But that just shows you how obvious those threats are, and uh, people around the world must be pretty nervous to see all these different areas where there could be a literal blow up at any time. And because the U.S. is pulling back, I mean, in, in years past, of course, you you'd always have tension, but you, I think most countries could look and say, "Well, what's the U.S. going to do?" And that would kind of be the the uh, oh, I don't know. It's like having a parent around, you know. Well, things might be a little tense, but what is what's what's Dad going to do? <laughs> well, the U.S. <laughs> is not that not that person anymore, not that nation, and so somebody's got to step in and fill that fill that vacuum. Germany, of course, is looking to themselves now russia and china they're going to look to themselves so uh it's definitely a different looking uh, world ahead but uh make sure you go to the trumpet.com pretty frequently you can even set it as your homepage if you want to mm-hmm. and pop Good right idea. up there you open your browser it's right there keep checking on the headlines and uh videos and articles lots of uh, good information there i wonder how long it would take to look at everything on the trumpet.com if you wanted to binge on it, a couple of months, <laughs> it would take a very long time. It's a lot there. The, the archives are endless, but even just to to cover what happened in the previous week would take hours. There's all kinds of things going on, so it's good that's it's uh, it's all there because otherwise it's hard to keep track of what's happening. And the trumpet briefs too come out every day, so uh, or about I guess five days a week, so you can get those. Uh, sign up for free; they come to your email inbox. It's as, it couldn't be any easier. You almost just pour it directly into your brain. <laughs> the problem on the bed, it's just transporting while you sleep. Just right in there, just downloaded <laughs> while you're sleeping. Uh, we've been talking this week uh, and last week a little bit about the seven laws of success. Uh, of course, everyone wants success in life. And uh, there's seven basic laws that Mr. Armstrong writes about in this booklet, which is at thetrumpet.com as well, for free. Uh, and this is the sixth law today. And uh, Mr. Armstrong talks about uh, somebody that he knew in the business world. He was a president of a major automobile manufacturing corporation. And he had utilized the first five laws that we talked about. He uh, he had a goal, and he got educated about it. He had uh, drive. He had good health. He uh, could handle, uh, you know, he was resourceful, and he could figure out ways around things. And then all of a sudden, in 1920, there was a flash depression, and he lost his personal fortune. And uh, it devastated him so much he committed suicide. He felt like everything he had worked for, everything he had built up, was it was gone. And so he became so hopeless that he killed himself. That's a sad but a true story that does happen. It happened during the Depression years where people lost everything and they, they couldn't uh, cope with it. And so even though he was successful to a point, once that success was taken away, he didn't know what to do. And so he needed the sixth law of success, which is perseverance, otherwise known as stick to When things don't go well, you got to keep going. That's a really sobering example because most of us, if we, if we set a really difficult to achieve goal and we strive at it for many years to achieve it, but then somehow 
it's all taken away and we have to start over again, how many of us would actually do that? How many of us would actually put in all those hours of work and all of those sacrifices to actually get back up to the top of the mountain again? Uh, and especially for someone as successful as he was uh, to have been that wealthy from his business, it's hard to just start from the, the ground and build back up like that. And, and that's why you have to go beyond resourcefulness and get to that six point of perseverance. Yeah, you see that even in, um, well, I think a great example is the sports world because it's a, pre- it's a pretty limited time that you can be a good athlete. And uh, you see guys that are at the top of their, their fields and uh, whatever they're playing, and then they get older, and then they the next guy comes along, and they have such a hard time because their identity is gone. What they work towards is gone. That There's been controversy in the Patriots world, the New England Patriots, because Tom Brady's been a legendary quarterback, an all-time great, but he's 40 years old. Eventually, you got to move on from them. They had a young guy that they thought they could bring along, and the they I guess uh, Brady or somebody wanted him out of there. <laughs> uh, and and it's just, it just highlights the fact that you can be at the top, but it doesn't last forever. What do you do? A lot of times, those athletes have a hard time moving on to, and to other things in life, especially when they've been at the top because they feel like they've lost everything they worked for. That's why so many athletes who have even played for one team their whole careers end up playing for two or three teams right at the end when probably their time of really contributing to a team ended when their first run with their first team ended and they could just have easily retired then and had no issue. Uh, The thing is the competitive fire doesn't die. And if you don't have something after sports, those guys are only 40, 41. Some of them retire late thirties. That's a long time to go being retired and not having anything else to strive for. It is. Yeah. And then, there's all there's just so many examples of whether it be anything, but a lot of times sports is a good example of this, where people did well very early on, became a professional, had a pretty good income, and then they got hurt or they got into you know some other problem where they don't play anymore, and then they lost all their money because they didn't manage it. They thought it would never end, and it did. And very rarely do you see a story like that where it has a positive ending, where they stuck with it and they rose again to be successful in some other area of life. You know, it's so easy to have like that one thing that you do, especially if you're really good at it, like like an athlete or something. And then if it's gone, well, what do you do? You quit? You know, the car guy, <laughs> the car guy, <laughs> the man who was the, uh, the uh, very wealthy from his car business when he lost it all. What do you do? You just quit? Or do you keep going? And a lot of people, unfortunately, just quit. I mean, whether it's, the ultimate quitting of a suicide or if it's just, you know, kind of flounder, very few people have the perseverance to get back up and become a success, whether in that field or maybe something different. Um, it's, it's the rare person that does, but it's an important law to success. There's a common conception that you can't expect lightning to strike twice. And so, especially for people who reach the pinnacle of the sports world or the business world, for them to have achieved that and to climb the, have climbed the ladder when literally many thousands of other people were trying to do the exact same thing, and then for them to fall and expect to climb the ladder and beat the competition all over again, probably some of them don't even think it's worth trying at that point. Um, I guess, thankfully, we're not <laughs> trying to be professional athletes. <laughs> Failed at that a long time ago. <laughs> Mr. Armstrong has a couple of stories in his personal life, too. He was acquainted with this cycle. And he said that he'd been making an income when he was in his early 20s uh, of about $350,000 a year, equivalent to today's standards, which is a really good paycheck. 
And uh, 90% of it or so was in these, he had six big mid- Midwestern corporations he was doing advertising for. And uh, most of them went under and during these depression years. And so he lost his whole business again. And and uh, he had to deal with that. He, he has another example about when he was starting Ambassador College and there was struggles and defeats and questions and all sorts of things. And he uh, he had to persevere. He said he just, you know, you can't quit. Um, and then, of course, as time went on, it went to be a huge success in his lifetime. So he had he has a lot of great personal experiences and stories there, too, and a lot of them are recounted in his autobiography, which you can get at thetrumpet.com. And so he wasn't just speaking, he's not just speaking about laws of success from, you know, some sort of uh, uh, theoretical, you know, thought. He is, uh, he's talking about personal experience and then also the Word of God and putting those things together. And that's why it's very motivating and captivating to read about because he did it, he put it into practice, and, and even though had setbacks, ultimately was a success. And that's despite Mr. Armstrong having people around him who told him he should quit. So for him to stick with it, he had to have been really sure that his goal was correct. If you have the right goal in the first place, you stop at nothing to attain it. Um, maybe after a while, God's God's trying to show you that your goal is wrong. But unless that happens, uh, perseverance is needed 100 times, 150 times. However many times you fall, you have to get back up because the, the goal is correct. There's no other course that is a better way to go. And so why would you just settle for failure when the goal, what you're striving for, is a worthy cause? There's some examples that, uh, that I found here that are pretty inspiring, I think, of people that that had to persevere to become successful. And uh, you'll recognize their names. Uh, this first guy, he had a long path to the top of his industry. He uh, dropped out of school when he was in the fourth grade. Not that you should do that, but this was years ago. <laughs> he took an apprenticeship with a printer, but he got fired from that. And he then became an apprentice to a candy maker in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. After studying the business for four years, so he got the education that he needed, he uh, started three unsuccessful candy companies in Philadelphia, Chicago, and New York. Uh, you know, three times, three strikes and you're out. He should just quit. <laughs> no, he didn't. He uh, didn't give up. He moved back to Lancaster and began the Lancaster uh, Caramel Company. His unique uh, recipe, which had he had come across during his earlier travels, was a huge success. success. And uh, he was always looking ahead. He believed that chocolate products had a much greater future than uh, Caramel did. So he sold his uh, first candy company for a million bucks in 1900. That's about $25 million or so today. And he started what was became known as the Hershey Company, which uh, brought milk chocolate, <laughs> previously a Swiss delicacy, to the masses. <laughs> this is a gentleman is Milton Hershey. Hmm. We've all heard of Hershey. Yes. He, he uh, had some difficulties early in life, uh, failed three candy companies. Don't you know who I am? I'm Hershey. Uh, didn't matter. It still failed. But the fourth time was uh, was the trick. It was the key. If he had to do it 20 times, he probably would have done it 20 times. But he ended up, of course, very successful. I knew who you're talking about right at the beginning when you mentioned Pennsylvania. I mean, that's Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's how well that's how well known he is and uh, how far he was able to climb. And and that's just in an area of making chocolate. Yep. So that's an example of somebody that that failed but continued uh another example of somebody here uh that obtained great success but failed um and and this is a, this is a good example too it's Steve Jobs who we all know from uh Apple Corporation and he's he's interesting cuz he had success and then he sort of failed then he had success again he achieved great success at a young age 
when he was 20 years old. He started Apple in his parents' garage. So, uh, you know, that's always the dream, right? Start the billion-dollar <laughs> corporation in a garage somewhere. And within it, you know, it's funny. A lot of the great things that start in garages aren't don't have anything to do with cars. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they do, but it's usually something else is happening in the garage. Within a decade, the company blossomed into a $2 billion empire, but then at age, so here, you know, here it's kind of the top of the world. At age 30, Apple's board of directors decided to take the business a different direction. How would you like that? And Jobs was fired from the company he created. That's like the ultimate insult right there. And he could have been very depressed by that. But Jobs found himself, uh, even though unemployed, he treated it as a freedom rather than a curse. And in fact, he later said that getting fired from Apple was the best thing to ever happen to him because it allowed him to think more creatively and re-experience the joys of starting a company. After that, he went on to found uh, the Next, a software company, and Pixar. You may have heard of that, the company that produces animated movies. And, uh, of course, then again, that was purchased by Apple, so it's kind of funny. Uh, he obviously got his back to his former company, and he launched Apple's current resurgence in popularity. Jobs claims that his career success and his strong relationship with his family are both results of his termination from Apple. So there's an example of somebody with great success got fired didn't quit he uh, kept working and actually ended up going back to the same company and making them even better than they were in the first place and he had to learn through hard experience how to become totally teachable uh, because for a while especially when he was younger he he was hiring these really good designers and engineers who were in their 40s and 50s and didn't really feel like being screamed at by a 25 year old uh, so he had to learn that and 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 understand how to how to have a better approach to be a better leader who inspired people and gave them vision and once he did that he really was unstoppable yeah and it's if you know for anybody that lived through the sort of the reemergence of apple as being a, a massive uh, uh juggernaut that it still is today uh you know there was a time there where they i don't know it seemed like they were kind of uh sort of the second second player in the computer game you know uh microsoft was really doing things and uh you know, I remember working on some machines, and somebody would bring up like a Mac or something. He'd say, "Oh, come on, nobody's in the Mac," you know. But he came in, he revolutionized it to today. I mean, that's a still to this day. I think they're probably considered the best. They have competition, of course, but uh, he was uh, quite a visionary. So there's there's some really good write ups about him on the Trumpet dot com as well. Just looking at his pursuit of perfection and how he really tried to. Uh, have he had perseverance, of course, but even in just making the products, there's that story where they were going to release the iPhone, and he made him like start from scratch because he didn't like the way the he just didn't like the some of the quality of it wasn't quite what he wanted. I think the screen scratched, <laughs> so he was starting from scratch. <laughs> but uh, you know, to have to have that kind of perseverance to say forget the whole thing, let's get it right from the beginning, it's it's a really good principle. And he was also really well known for just refining and simplifying the company's goals uh he he basically narrowed down the products into uh, i guess four quadrants um i don't know all of them i guess the personal computer the work computer the the ipad and the iphone something like that um and he didn't he he cut out like i guess they used to be making printers and things like that and he cut that out and said we're going to be good at a few things instead of being average at a ton of different things so he had goals clearly in mind, and that's why he was able to strive for them like he did. You know, and the thing is, you get a, a person like him, or whether it be the Milton Hershey or any of these people that we might look at here, you could almost you could almost throw them in any circumstance and they'd make a success of it. 
because they were applying these laws. I mean, you, you, they, Apple could have fired Steve Jobs again. He would have come back with a better company. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he had that ability. Uh, and some people have that, but it's because they're putting these laws into practice. It doesn't mean everyone's going to have the aptitude of a Steve Jobs, but no matter what your aptitude is, you can make the most of it. And that's all that God expects from people. You know, it's the parable of the pounds. You know, what did you do with what you got? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And it's also important to remember people like Steve Jobs were definitely far from perfect. They had their own problems and they didn't really even like, especially Steve Jobs, he didn't really believe in God or have much of a relationship with God, but just on a physical level, because he was applying some of the success laws, he was extremely blessed for it. So how much more could that apply to people who are actively striving to obey God? Here's uh, another example. There's quite a few examples of people that uh, overcame uh, some failures to have success. This is a this is a uh, pop culture icon, Simon Cowell. Oh yes, Who's Simon, the great Simon Cowell. The great Simon Cowell. They say nowadays uh, he is a pop icon and a very wealthy man, but early in life, Cowell faced his fair share of struggles. At age 15, he dropped out of school. Why are they all dropping out of school? <laughs> Don't take that as a reason to be successful. Most dropouts are not. Uh, and he bounced around jobs. He eventually landed a job in the mailroom of EMI Music Publishing. And he worked his way up to the A&R department and then went on to form his own publishing company, ENS Music. And then, of course, it became a huge success. No, it folded. <laughs> <laughs> they say ENS folded in its first year, and he ended up with a lot of debt and was forced to move back in with his parents. So, you know, you can imagine. You go out there, you feel like you're kind of on your way, you get this company going, it fails, you have massive debt, and you go back home with mom and dad. <sighs> that, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people might find themselves in a situation like that, and that would be very frustrating. But uh, he never gave up on his dream of working in the music industry and eventually landed a job with a small company called Fanfare Records. He worked there for eight years. So it's not like... You know, he went there for a week, and then all of a sudden he was on American Idol. Eight years of working in there. And uh, helped the company become a very successful label. And from there, Kyle spent years signing talent and working behind the scenes before launching the American Idol and X Factor franchises that made him famous. And so uh, there's uh, some good points in there, too, just about you have to work for a while to before, you know, sometimes the success really starts rolling. You look at the example of uh, Mr. Armstrong, it was the same with him. I mean, he had to work for many, many years, many years, before it started to be more and more successful. And so uh, that's that perseverance to not only not quit, but then to keep working at something until it really takes off. Yeah, that's true. Then something we can remember when we see personalities on TV and we think, oh, I could I could do that job. Why does, why does he get that opportunity? But probably they did have to work behind the scenes for a decade or more in that field with no recognition, no credit, not much of a paycheck. And by just simply sticking with it, they got to that luxurious job that they now have. Yeah, and I think uh, sometimes it's it, it's almost a handicap if something's just handed to a person and they don't have to work for it because they, they don't re- respect it or treat it the right way or, um, or know what they're doing. You know, uh, he's always famous, I guess, for, for being kind of a grump and uh, saying, you know, you're dreadful. But... Um, <laughs> But Simon Scowl. Yeah. But, you know, just having seen him over the years, I think he, for the most part, was right. I mean, he'd worked in the industry long enough to know, like, this will sell, this won't sell. You know, I know you like singing in your shower, but no one's <laughs> going to buy what you're doing. 
and and I I think that's why actually that show was pretty successful. It was because of his honesty, mm-hmm. even though it kind of rubbed people the wrong way. He could have been maybe a little nicer about it, but still, uh, you know, people would flatter somebody that, that wasn't that good, and he'd be like, "Dreadful karaoke, get out of here." <laughs> but but he had worked in the industry a long time, and he knew what people wanted. That's true, and and you do have to uh, give people that jolt of reality. Sometimes he probably helped those people by crushing that dream because that was an unrealistic dream that they had that way they weren't going to be wasting all that time on a dream that was never going to come to reality yeah and he'd i mean he'd often tell them like well you know good luck to you and, and hope you have a you know a successful career but it's not going to be in singing <laughs> <laughs> and and uh you know i think if those people were there obviously they were disappointed but um if they were thinking about it he himself was a good example because he wanted to be in the music industry, but he couldn't sing. So he found out a way to do it, and be. And he's probably more successful than most of the singers, probably you know, because he's he's there doing the, doing what he loved, but doing it in a different way. So he's he's a bit of a uh, interesting character, but uh, some good uh, examples there, I think, of people that had perseverance. That's that sixth law of success: perseverance, stick to itiveness, even when things haven't worked three, four, five, six, seven times. Assuming. You know, you're you're heading in the right direction. Sometimes you gotta <laughs> maybe do something different, but no matter what, you gotta keep working at something. He's actually really good at just persevering on the show itself. Like he'll hear he'll hear like seventy bad auditions in a row, and he's still there at the end of the day, head down on the desk in despair. But he's still doing his job. Yep, they're rebooting that that show. It's gonna be on I think ABC now. Uh, American Idol. Yeah. Oh, great! It's coming back. I love that show. So anyway, there, there's all these. There's so many different varieties of that type of show out there, but I don't know. It's interesting. It's better than the latest sitcom, I guess, <laughs> in many cases. Seven Laws of Success. Make sure you check that out at thetrumpet.com. It's uh, free, and it's uh, it's just really great practical advice. That's all the time we have for today here on uh, Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday. Uh, Key David program, Trumpet Daily Radio Show, all coming up for Grant Turgeon. Myself, Dwight Falk. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.